Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, April 1st. We begin with a look at today's price drop at the pumps. We speak with Dan McTagg, President of Canadians for Affordable Energy, for a complete breakdown on where the savings are coming from, how long we can expect to see the lower price tag, and what more, if anything, can be done by the provincial and federal governments to provide some relief for Albertans. Next, we discuss the historic meeting between the Assembly of First Nations and Pope Francis at the Vatican, which included an apology from the pontiff. We get reaction from Paul Custer, Calgary writer, former broadcaster, and Indigenous advocate. It's a big deal for the city of Calgary and the sport of ringette. Mornings with Sue and Andy producer Reese Schaefer brings us details on the Canadian ringette championships taking place next week in the city. And finally, he's our man in the know when it comes to the newest and latest on TV and the big screen. We catch up with Brett McGarry from the Couch Potatoes for his thoughts on last weekend's not-soon-to-be-forgotten Academy Awards ceremony, as well as a review of the new Jared Leto superhero flick, Morbius. The provincial government lifting the provincial gas tax as of this morning and gas prices are on the slide. But how much and for how long? With insight, we are joined by the gas wizard himself, Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Good morning to you, Dan. It's a good morning, it is. <laughs> it, it is certainly a good morning. And, and if you can break it down, because it's kind of a connect the dots, uh, the provincial government helping out. At the same time, the federal government is adding a bit of uh, money to the price at the pump. Can you break down exactly how it works? Yeah, look, uh, the federal government is adding uh, 2.21 cents a litre plus GST. And, of course, the provincial government uh, has uh, removed 13 cents a litre. Normally, that would be about a 10.5 cents a litre decrease, uh, one would expect at the pumps. But there was also this thing on Tuesday where... Uh, rather Wednesday, where markets rallied uh, good enough for about a three cent uh, a liter increase. So the net decrease today in Calgary should be eight cents a liter. Yesterday, I was looking at a lot of stations. Dollar sixty seven point nine should be down to dollar fifty nine point nine. Those stations that aren't, well, they're simply holding on to the difference, and that uh, that's a no no. But I'm you know go wait for the rest of the day to see what happens. And I say that because there's another factor here that's pretty important, and that is uh, that we're looking at the circumstance where um, you know gasoline is going to fall for most uh, uh, for most gas stations net five point two cents a liter overnight. In other words, it's going to cost most gas stations about a buck thirty five to buy the fuel taxes in. If they're still holding at a buck sixty five, that's a thirty cent. Uh, well, let's call it what it is, King's Ransom, and it uh, it shouldn't be. So I'm going to, again, wait to see what happens. It's early hours here, but, uh, you know, I would expect that most gas stations uh, curb their enthusiasm, and we should be seeing gasoline prices no more than $1.55 come tomorrow here in Calgary. And, Dan, how long can we expect this provincial gas freeze to last, the gas tax freeze? Well, it looks like it's it's measured based on the price uh, of per barrel of crude, uh, anything over ninety dollars, and it stays that way. I suspect that that's going to. Uh, I mean, it could be a sliding scale. We're seeing oil challenged dramatically. It's dropped eleven percent this week, and much of it due to what I consider Sue to be a head fake. Uh, uh, President Biden is making a very serious mistake by releasing, you know, uh, reserves, uh, one hundred eighty million barrels. Over the next six months or a million barrels a day, what that tells the industry is that the government is going to use, uh, you know, emergency supplies 
in order to try to drive down prices. And, you know, American energy producers who are not meeting the challenge right now and can't for a variety of reasons, including green divestment and green restrictions on where to drill, they're going to say, look, if you uh, you want to drop the price, that's fine, but we're not getting into it. If we didn't want to get into it at $110 a barrel, we're not going to get into it at $90 a barrel. So the bottom line, I think, is uh, this is going to be a bit of a tug of war, but uh, bottom line, uh, this is short-term gain uh, for American motorists, as the uh, Biden administration is concerned about losing the uh, upcoming midterm elections in uh, November. But it's going to be long-term pain, not just for gasoline and diesel consumers, uh, but these prices make their way through the entire economy, including food prices. So it's long-term pain for all of us. Absolutely. And when inflation is already not exactly low. Um, let's uh, talk about, you know, on our side of the border again, and what more or can anything else be done from the province or the feds to attack these high prices? Well, the feds are giving exact exact wrong signals at the wrong time. And uh, I'm not going to hold back here. I was a Liberal MP for 18 years. I was a consumer critic for the party. I held the energy file. The file. I worked with two prime ministers who understood and uh, and uh, really reinforced the importance of Canada's oil and gas sector, not just because it was in Alberta, but because it paid bills in this country. You have a prime minister that is attacking the very golden goose that is going to help this economy get out of the doldrums, uh, uh, raise revenues uh, that uh, federal, provincial, municipal governments need. So as long as we have this sort of ironic message, which is, you know, 180 degrees diametrically opposed to reality that we can somehow drop our emissions. 42 percent. Uh, that's fantasy land, and it's uh, it's a dangerous time to be able to to be advocating this kind of nonsense. I called the prime minister out on this on other stations, and I'll do it here as well. I think the man is basically detached from reality, and so it's the policy that is being advocated by he and his uh, latest uh, ally, uh, the NDP. Not pulling any punches for sure, Dan. We like that about you. Uh, Let's just talk quickly about, is there any opportunity, do you think, obviously the carbon tax is what it is, that's not going away, that the Prime Minister might pull back a little bit on GST, for example. Anything like that to kind of help us out? Well, he could and should, and I did that 20 years ago as an MP. Look, all the bravado aside by the Prime Minister and others, this is hurting Canadians. When I get emails, and you're seeing them as well from people who can't make ends meet, uh, single moms with two or three children in a small minivan, as I got from a letter from Bob Cajun the other day that I read to several folks in Calgary, I, I, I got to start to think this is not what Canada is about. We are blessed with an abundance of energy. Energy affordability is at the core of uh, what we do in this country. The world needs more of Canada, and Canada is just simply refusing uh, to step up to the plate. And it's hurting Canadians, and it's hurting the rest of the world. Energy security. By the way, there was a point this morning about the energies are in the United States. Uh, Annalise Hoshfield, who came out and said the world is short 2 million barrels a day of production. No matter what Biden does and others do, Canada could have easily given that $2 million, 2 million barrels a day had it not been so quick to kill the Energy East Pipeline and the Northern Gateway Pipeline. Wow. Incredible stuff, Dan. Thanks for not holding back. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and your time this morning. Great to be here. Have a great weekend. You too. That is Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Sorry seems to be the hardest word. It's sad, so sad. 609 Mornings with Sue and Andy right here on 770 CHQR. Pope Francis says he is ashamed and indignant at the deplorable abuses suffered by Indigenous peoples at the hands of Catholic educators in Canada's residential schools. Speaking in Italian at a final meeting with First Nations, Inuit and Métis delegates, 
Francis apologized for the church's role in the institutions and said he would come to Canada. Chief Gerald Antoine spoke to reporters afterwards in St. Peter's Square. Today is a day that we've been waiting for and certainly one that will be uplifted in our history. His Holiness Pope Francis, head of the Catholic Church, has issued a long overdue apology for the Roman Catholic role in church-run residential school. Joining us with his perspective on the Assembly of First Nations trip to the Vatican and the the apology this morning is Paul Custer, Calgary writer, comedian, former broadcaster and Indigenous advocate. Hi, Paul. Good morning to you. Hey, how are you? Excellent. Thank you. How important was this apology? How did you feel when you heard that news this morning? I uh, completely uh, uh, shocked, overwhelmed. I I was not expecting uh, an apology yet. Uh, I, I thought that was going to happen officially uh, when when the Pope uh, uh, finally comes to Canada. And uh, so to hear this this morning, I, I had no idea until I uh, turned on the radio, guys, <laughs> and, and 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 I heard the news. So this is uh, this is monumental. This is uh, real Canadian history happening. And uh, for the better. And it just shows, uh, it kind of coincides with uh, Trudeau's visit to Williams Lake this week uh, at, the, uh, at the site of uh, another possible uh, 93, uh, what did they call them, reflections, I guess, from the ground-penetrating radar. So uh, what, what this says to me is that we're, we are at a turning point, and uh, I think for the better, because... It's called truth and reconciliation. You can't reconcile anything until you speak truth. And uh, thank goodness that the Pope has finally, finally uh, stepped up and and has apologized. I don't know if they classify this as an official apology yet, but the fact that he did apologize to the, uh, to this delegation um, that says so much in in such a positive light. You know, Paul, it's interesting because you did mention, you know, the trip to Canada with uh, Pope Francis. And, uh, you know, we got part one taken care of. How important is it that it looks like that is in the works for the Pope to come to Canada? Why is that so important? He has to. Uh, this is where this is where it happened. Um, and I, I was watching a clip from uh, Phil Fontaine, the former uh, uh, Grand Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. And he's hoping that... Uh, He'll come to uh, Manitoba, and uh, that's uh, in Saint uh, Boniface, which is uh, that's one of the um, uh, that that was kind of the hub for the uh, Roman Catholic Church in Western Canada. So he's hoping that he comes to Manitoba, and uh, I think he was kind of inferring that he hopes that the apology is sort of made there, because that was kind of the, that was the masthead, that was the figurehead for the Catholic Church, in uh, particularly here in Western Canada. And this is where all the horrible things happen. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think it's imperative that he comes here and he visits uh, with the communities where these horrible, horrible things uh, happen to these uh, to these children and to and the decimation that it had uh, upon the culture, um, so you have to set foot on the places where these uh, where these horrible things have happened in our past to address them and uh, address them with uh, uh, with a, a formal apology and uh, and then the continued healing uh, can 
can be allowed to uh, take its own course the way it should. Paul, obviously the apology, massive. I mean, and a big part of why this delegation was at the Vatican. But more than that, there are a lot of Indigenous artifacts that have been collected by the Vatican, and this delegation has seen many of them. And it seems that a lot of people were shocked by the number and the items themselves that they have in their private collection. The Indigenous community is asking for these artifacts to be returned. Why is that so important too? That's uh, that's part of the culture, and that was uh, a lot of those artifacts were simply uh, stolen. Um, I, I read an article on how uh, they've been described as um, gifts. Well, they, <laughs> I think, I, I believe the majority of them were not gifts; they were just taken, taken, mm-hmm. and they're powerful, sacred symbols uh, to uh, the indigenous peoples of this country, and uh, it's like what's the museums uh, did. They just took um, sacred uh, pieces and uh, stored them away for themselves under lock and key behind uh, locked glass, which is not their purpose. These are sacred objects that are you or they're part of the actual uh, life and the livelihood of uh of Aboriginal peoples across Canada. And uh, there there was a huge movement, uh, especially, you know, I I remember I did uh, uh, news stories uh, about the repatriation of artifacts back to uh, back to their communities, uh, where they're where they're supposed to be, where they belong, uh, not meant to be uh, kept under uh, lock glass and, and lock and key. So that this, uh, and, and of course, the Vatican, they've always come under fire for. Um, for all these riches that they've uh, stored away, and um, it's <laughs> it's so ironic because it's the Catholic Church, and um, some people would classify uh, that part of it as as uh, simply uh, thievery <laughs> and and, and uh, uh, keeping things for yourself and, and to accumulate uh, wealth and and, and richness. Uh, so they, they, they've always come under fire for this, but the fact that, again, this is being brought up as particularly during these uh, this delegation's uh, visit to the Vatican, it just throws it under the public light again. And uh, it's I think it's a sticky situation for the Vatican. How do they handle this? And, and here's the other thing, too. The other reason why it's so uh, mind-blowing with the apology is that the Pope, uh, traditionally in the Roman Catholic view, uh, the Pope is the uh, is God's representative on earth, and therefore God is supposed to be infallible. So uh, he he never makes mistakes or uh, is responsible for horrific things that happen. And uh, so it kind of goes hand in hand. First off, were these gifts or were they just simply stolen? Do they need to be returned? I believe that they do. And um, uh, but at least considering everything, uh, I'm very happy with the direction the Pope has taken and the fact that he stepped up to the plate and offered, I believe, a heartfelt apology. Um, at least that's a super important first step in this journey called truth and reconciliation. Paul, thank you so much for the discussion. Thank you so much for your thoughts and, and for uh, being here with us uh, more than a couple of times over the past uh, couple of years. So thank you so much. Uh, yeah, thank you so much uh, for uh, helping me have a voice. 
Uh, it's so much appreciated. Always welcome here. Thank you so much. Have a great Friday. That is Paul Custer, a Calgary writer, former broadcaster, indigenous advocate, and, and comedian. He, he really does it all. Mm-hmm. Paul Custer. After two long years, the Calgary Wrath will defend their title in the Canadian Ring at Championship in Calgary this weekend. Our producer, Reese Schaefer, caught up with one of the defending champs and organizers of the tournament for details. The 2022 Canadian Ring at Championship returns after a two-year COVID hiatus. And Calgary Wrath goaltender Bree Beck is excited to defend their title on home ice after winning the 2019-2020 championship. Last season, it was... It was tough because we knew that we weren't playing, and so we had exhibition games lined up, and then our season got cancelled again um, completely, like no practices. So this season, I think, for the most part, it's just being grateful. Uh, Grateful to be with our teammates, grateful that we have the opportunity to play. So I think it puts a lot of things in perspective uh, with what's happening in the world right now and with COVID. I think that we are very confident in our abilities, and we had a good season. It's really hard to compare how our season looked versus the East, just because we didn't have any crossover. You know, we've we've been happy with our season, but we, we definitely don't think that it'll just be handed to us. We're excited and we're optimistic, but we, we know that it's, it's going to be a lot of work. Bob Curran, communications and marketing lead for Calgary Host Committee, says the game has seen steady growth since his father helped found the Calgary League in the 70s. Calgary's really uh, had a lot of success with uh, growth. Um, you know, I look. I was looking back at the numbers today. The late '70s, we had 45 players. The first year, we were registered as an association, and last year we had just about 1,400 uh, with over 100 teams. And the numbers have stayed consistently high, actually, uh, over the last 20 years, and have grown. We saw a little bit of a dip. Um, with the pandemic. If things are back to normal, we expect those numbers to recover next year. Bob is hopeful that the numbers will return and grow, but as Bree says, it will take a lot of effort to grow the game and opportunities past the amateur level. Like female sport, I don't think uh, you can just passively hope it grows. I think that you do have to put a lot of effort into it. I think our biggest challenge is going to be how do we retain that talent as athletes get older and get out of minor ringette and they become young professionals. I think we got to bridge that gap a bit to keep young ladies in in the sport and that's that's going to take some creative ingenuity and uh, some some very thoughtful consideration just because yeah it's tough to to be an athlete playing at this level and paying for it as well as paying for university and and starting out in your professional career. Bree Beck and the Calgary Wrath take to the ice April 3rd to 9th at Calgary Windsport and the Seven Chiefs Arena on Sutana First Nation. Get your tickets online and volunteer at calgarycrc2022.ca. And as Bree says, you'll get to see the best ringette talent in Canada. For 770 CHQR. I'm Reece Schaefer. Welcome to Friday, everybody. And as we always do, checking in this morning with Brett McGarry, host of The Couch Potatoes. Find out what's new on the big and small screens this weekend. Hi, Brett. Hello there. Well, before we get to what's coming up that's new this weekend, let's talk about what happened, the old news. <laughs> I don't even know if it's still old news. Everybody's still talking about the Oscars from last weekend and the slap heard across the world. It was quite something. What did you think about it? 
Well, it's funny. I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes right now. I was just checking to see what the review status was of the big movie out this weekend. And uh, I was surprised to see that the Academy Awards actually has uh, an entry here on Rotten Tomatoes. 19% and the critics' consensus, <laughs> a shocking outburst overshadows a sour Oscar night marred by ill-conceived gimmicks and time-saving changes that fail to tighten up another bloated ceremony. I wasn't even going to watch the Oscars because uh, over the years, I just I find I'm losing interest with each passing year because it's always too long. And uh, but I I tuned in out of curiosity, and wow, I'm glad I did. I stuck around, and when the the slap happened, I I thought that okay, this is clearly staged. But then when they yep. bleeped out the sound for like 15 seconds, and it was pretty clear that Will Smith was <laughs> cursing at Chris Rock, I yep. thought, oh my gosh. So yeah, certainly memorable for all the wrong reasons, but yeah, it was quite something. Yeah, it was. It's one to remember. I think we'd like to forget it, but we will remember. Uh, Sadly. Let's, uh, let's move to the new offering of this uh, weekend and uh, see if it's an Oscar contender. It's called Morbius. What, what is this one about? Yes, this one is from the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters. That's right. It's another comic book movie, and it's based on a Spider-Man villain. Jared Leto stars as Morbius. He is a doctor who's dying of a rare blood disorder, and he wants to find a cure to save his own life and to save others from his fate. So he goes deep into the wilderness, and he finds this cave inhabited with bats that he believes will cure him, and he does return a changed man. He appears to be healthy. He appears to be cured, but... I have powers that can only be described as superhuman. But there's a cost. Now, I face a choice. To hunt and consume blood. Or die. So he becomes a vampire, uh, but not what we're used to. He's got some really neat powers, which look pretty cool on screen. And uh, whenever he transforms into the vampire, he gets real ugly. So the question is, is he going to give in to his new urges or, or be the good doctor? This, in spite of the fact that Jared Leto is starring in this and it's got a good supporting cast, it is getting terrible reviews. It's at 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this scathing headline from the Globe and Mail, atrocious Spider-Man spinoff Morbius represents the absolute nadir of superhero <laughs> cinema. So I would uh, recommend, unless you are an absolute diehard Morbius fan, um, you probably want to stay away from this one. Are they a vampire superhero or is he an anti-hero? That's the, I think that's the plan because Sony's been working for years now to fire up, uh, a Sinister Six franchise. So the Sinister oh, okay. Six is a team of Spider-Man supervillains. And, uh, because Sony has the rights to the Spider-Man movies, they, that's why they've made Morbius and they made the Venom movies. And, uh, they've got Michael Keaton actually appears in this movie. He played the vulture in the first Marvel Spider-Man movie that came out a few years ago. Uh, what was it called? The, I can't keep track of any of them, Brad, quite frankly. Homecoming, I think is what it was called. (laughs) But yeah, so, so he was one of the Sinister Six. So I think they're, I think that's what's going to happen. He's going to, he's going to give into his urges and be a bad guy. Gotcha. All right. Steer clear of that. And uh, some uh, (laughs) sad news out of the world of Hollywood. Bruce Willis. We love Bruce Willis. Haven't seen him in a bit. And now there might be a reason for that. 
Yeah, unbelievable news, and I, I feel I felt my my initial reaction was guilt because in just recent weeks, my co-host and I on the couch potatoes, we we're kind of making fun of Bruce Willis and his career because he's made he's made twenty two movies over the last four Has years. He? Wow! And they're all direct, basically straight to video, uh, where he shows up for one or two days, gets paid a million dollars a day to do these movies, and um, turns out the reason he was doing that is because he has aphasia so it's a cognitive disorder that basically creates this it makes it difficult for him to communicate so he was making all these movies while he could so that he could make the money to i guess to support his or to provide for his family and uh yeah because he must have known that his time was coming uh but yeah just really stunning news and uh it sort of puts things in perspective a lot of people apologizing kevin smith has apologized for comments he's made the razzies yeah, devoted that yeah they devoted an entire category to bruce willis this year for the worst movie bruce willis starred in in 2021 he was in eight movies and uh, they have since rescinded that award um in hindsight because you know who wants to make, make fun of the guy uh, in light of this mm -hmm. news so yeah just really really sad stuff hopefully uh he's okay i hope so it's sad news for sure so uh we'll we'll recommend or perhaps not that morbius is the new one that might be the only thing you can check I, there's probably something better out there or just you know stay home it's supposed to be a nice weekend. Maybe a better Watch idea. Watch Moon Knight, the new Marvel show on uh, Disney Plus. Moon Knight debuted this week. It's okay. really good. All right, there. See, something positive. Thanks, Brett. Have a great weekend. You too. Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.